Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. We are so happy you've committed to play basketball here next year. Yeah, I decided to take a longer tour of the campus. What's that building up on the hill? Oh, that's, um, it's like a science teachy place where they, they combine things and they, they burn them. Is that the chemistry building? Yes, I'm, I didn't realize you knew that word. I know what chemistry is. I might even take chemistry. Maybe not as a freshman, but after all, I'm going to be here four years. Nobody told me about your deadpan humor. No, really. I might stay four years. Yeah, try telling that to Antonio Bacon. Who's that? He is this awesome ninth grader in Ovilla, Texas. He's slated to replace the guy who replaces the guy who replaces you when you go to the NBA next year. Maybe I should take chemistry this year. Oh, no, 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 no. We've already picked out your courses. Here's your schedule. Remedial Swahili, Introduction to Social Dances of North America, The Essays and Short Fiction of Seth Davis? Yeah, that dude is deep. You're making a lot of assumptions. I want to have a real college experience. I was thinking about going out for an acapella group. There's no time for that, but you are signed up for a musical theater course where you will be appearing in a production of Pippin. Oh, I love that musical. I saw it on Broadway. Want to hear me do My Corner of the Sky? Oh, no, 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 that's the wrong musical. This is Pippin. A musical about the second best basketball player in Chicago. It's only 17 minutes long. You play Dennis Rodman. It's almost as if you don't believe in me as a scholar. (laughs) You got me again, man. You are a riot. This tour is giving me an appetite. Let's go over to the Players' Lounge. You guys get free smoothies and power bars. Then massage and a hot tub. Does that sound good? Where, where'd he go? While I try to find him, get ready for our annual bracketology show. And now he's still winded from beating George R.R. R. Martin one-on-one, Colin McEnroe. You know, that guy's faster than he looks. Uh, <laughs> he's faster, more rangy. I really I underestimated him. Uh, there's no question about that. All right, it's our annual March Madness show. Here in the studio are our warring, feuding analysts, uh, Bill Curry, columnist for Salon, two-time Democratic nominee for Governor of Connecticut. Julia Pistel, a one-time uh, nominee for uh, Treasurer of Connecticut, Director of the Writing Program mm-hmm. at the Mark Twain House and Museum, <laughs> and one of the founding members of CT Improv. Uh, joining us through the miracle of some kind of fiber optic something or other is Mike Pesca, the host of the Daily uh, Slate podcast, The Gist with Mike Pesca, and a regular on Slate's sportscast, uh, sports podcast, Hang Up and Listen, which, you know, the first title raises the question, Mike Pesca, can you, can, mm-hmm. will it ever be possible for anyone to guest host The Gist with Mike Pesca, since it is The Gist with Mike Pesca? Yes, but then it has to be the gist without Mike Pesca. Or without, it's still there's still a Mike Pesca floating over at the I, gist. I like the gist without Mike Pesca. I think that would be a good. I sh- I have to say I think that what what you do is harder than almost what anybody does in broadcasting right now. I mean, just doing that show. But I also shamelessly nominate myself to guest host sometime when you're in, uh, on vacation. I'll guest host at one time to see if I'm right that it's incredible. I think what I do is incredibly hard. But for Betsy it Kaplan. Would, 
Uh, I would say it would be the hardest, but for the demands of bracketology. Yes, mm. bracketology. Very, where Joe very... Lunardi predicts who will make the tournament and gets most of them wrong. All right. So as we're gonna uh, talk you a little bit through the the, the teams this year, some of our uh, the most exciting moment will be when Julia reveals the system that she's using this year. But we'll keep Hardly. the suspense up for a few minutes here. <laughs> no, that is the most exciting moment. Mike is still was very excited from your anagram system many years ago. But that was four years that ago. Was four years ago. Record people. <laughs> so, but maybe Mike, just for starters, let's sort of talk about the way that Kentucky kind of hovers over this thing. I mean, in a way that. It hasn't been the case for quite some time, I think. They're, they're such a prohibitive favorite that people's – it's almost a stretch of people's imagination to to imagine a scenario in which they don't win. And first of all, I mean, have we just sort of dreamed up a monster that doesn't really exist? Are they really that prohibitive a favorite? They are the odds-on favorite or about the odds-on favorite. You could take everyone else and I'll take Kentucky is the sort of deal that Las Vegas thinks is a square wager. And they're great. I mean, before they had a key injury to a Poitras, they did this thing where they played five guys who were the best five in college basketball. And then those guys would go on the bench and then another five would come out and those were the best guys in college basketball. Maybe not uh, six through ten, but that second squad of five guys would also be a number one seed. So if they wanted to split their squad, they they, have, they legitimately could be, and then just maybe fill in with a couple guys to take some minutes, they legitimately could have two number one seeds. But even without that, we still might have an all-Wildcat Final Four if Arizona-Villanova, and this is the tough one, Davidson, also make it. Yeah, actually, the person who really uh, anticipated this year's um, March Madness uh, was uh, Keanu Reeves uh, in the movie Speed. You go to the University of Arizona? Yeah, so? Good football team. Yeah, I guess so. I don't really know. Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> right? <laughs> Big mistake Dennis Hopper made saying that, uh, that Wildcat thing. So, yeah, Mike, there's like three, at least three Wildcats that, that have legs. Yes, and Davidson, I think, even though they're a 10 seed, will uh, win their first-round game, or they should win their first-round game. It'll be close against Iowa. A Hawkeye, which I guess if uh, Alan Alda were driving the bus in speed would be a giveaway. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Bill Curry, I mean, do you agree that <clears throat> Kentucky does sort of hover over this in a way that sort of tends to blot out everything else? Sure. Cal- Calipari is the, is the greatest uh, strategic tactical coach in the history of uh, college basketball. And the strategy he came up with was making Kentucky the place where everybody who only wants to stay one year wants to go. Right. And so this is this is it's absolutely it's it's just the the, the foyer, the antechamber of the NBA. And as such, it kind of just you know it kind of gives the lie to all the old traditional things that we say about <laughs> amateur sports and college athletics. I realize it's it's been also trampled to death by now that it's almost not worth giving, even bringing up. And I'm not sure anybody other than myself even resents the guy for it. Uh, but, you know, when you, when you have uh, – and I, I, I don't – I won't question anything Mike Pesca says about this. If, you, if, if your second squad would otherwise be a number one seed, you've, you're, you're, you've got a team, but it's not a college basketball team. It is something else. Um, Julia, without uh, revealing, by the way, if you want to call in and uh, talk about uh, your own experiences of March Madness or why you refuse to or are unable to experience it, give us a call, 860-275-7266, 860-275-7266. Julia, without revealing your system yet, mm-hmm. how far have you taken Kentucky? Do you, do, does your system accommodate Kentucky's uh, greatness? It does, which I'm 
really surprised because usually my system has nothing to do with basketball whatsoever. Or but it is actually honoring some of the um, better seated teams, which is maybe my system actually is valid. I I because she's she, she just trying to trick me into putting down an actual bet or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sort of trying to think of reasons to hate Kentucky, and um, you know Ashley Judd uh, graduated from Kentucky, but it took her 17 years. And at the end of her four years, she um, rather than finishing her degree, and she'd also volunteered for the Peace Corps, and she suddenly decided uh, not to either finish her degree or to go into the Peace Corps. She just loaded up her car and drove to Hollywood and became an actress. And then years later, the Peace Corps unveiled a new public service announcement featuring the voice of movie star Ashley Judd. And that just seems so wrong. I mean, she blew off her Peace Corps. Yeah, she didn't go, but she gets to be the celebrity spokesperson. And then she's like person. the voice of it. So is Ashley Judd, is she actually a Hollywood actress or just a Kentucky fan? Like, she's not, no longer in movies anymore, is she? She, also she loves mostly animals. is just shot on the sidelines at Kentucky games. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing, and I, I know I'd hang up and listen to you guys discuss this extensively, uh, so you can just now boil it all down for us. Uh, mm. Mike, there's a big co- conversation going on that college basketball is getting slower. I mean, it's not, not a theory either. I mean, Ken Palm and all these other sites can, can prove that there are fewer points scored. I don't think they can actually prove that the people run slower. It's just that they score fewer points, right? Yes, and that the coaches are more anal retentive and refuse to let the guys have creativity. Of course, all the great players are freshmen, so maybe you know some of the creativity flourishes. Like what you have to do is break down the freshmen and teach them, uh, unteach them all their bad habits. Maybe by senior year, you give those guys the leeway. Well, great players don't get to be seniors anymore, so that has something to do with it. But yes, for the most part, it's become a slowed down slog where defenses rule, and it's not even that the defense have gotten better it's that there are just fewer and fewer possessions it's it's a 35 second clock it's the longest clock of any league in basketball and this gets to my theory about college basketball not a good product great tournament terribly exciting three weeks but college basketball as a sport is something like the seventh seventh or eighth thing i'd most like to watch um, I gave out our number, 860-275-7266. We have our first caller. I'm not sure you pronounce this name. Is it John? John, is that how you say it? Hey, Colin. Hey, first time, long time. I love the show. All right, thanks. <laughs> hey, I hear he's banging on Coach Cal and yeah. his Kentucky Wildcats. I don't get it, okay? Guy's a winner, looks sharp doing it, wears nice suits, good haircut, good example for the kids. All this stuff in the past, the Marcus Camby stuff, Derek Rose stuff, put it behind him. That's why he likes the one-and-done kids. Doesn't have to worry about NCAA sanctions. Doesn't get to play with the kids too much. Okay, one last thing, Colin. Yeah, yes. A little trivia for you. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Know where Coach Cal's from? Where is he from? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. That's going to be Pittsburgh. Coach Cal is from Moon Township, PA. Okay, you know you know who else is from Moon Township? Who's that? Robert Morris University. Playing the playing game tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. They're going to win. They're going to beat Duke. They're going all the way to the finals. They're going to beat Coach Cal. Take it to the bank. All right, that's taking the bank. That's hey. just some random guy named John. No. I'm going to hang up and listen. Okay, it's okay. such a lovely. <laughs> it's it's really it, it's such a lovely statement. Uh, good good suit, good haircut, great role model for the kids. But of course, <laughs> absolutely. So um, so Julia, maybe it is time. It's time. It is time for you to reveal what your system is this year. Okay, so last year I was all about food, and I've decided it's time to bring it back to the brainy. So. Um, This is my most complex system yet, but still 100% unrelated to athletic ability. Um, So what I did was 
On the theory that people are very influenced by the words repeated around them, I looked up the official state motto for every state playing, mm-hmm. um, the Latin motto. That uh, I will have to say that today all my information is from Wikipedia, so it's very reliable. Um, and then for teams that had more than one state, I went to their state marketing campaign, and if there was like a lot of cities, then I used their city slogans. This is something we think a lot about in Hartford, so I just wanted to see what kind of words are infusing these athletes with, uh, you know, their strategy. And it was really interesting, actually. Give us a few of your deep insights. Okay, so Kentucky, their state motto is United We Stand, Divided We Fall, which is a really, really great slogan for a basketball team, whereas um, someone, uh, let's look at a really bad one. Okay, Harvard's, uh, by the sword we seek peace, but peace only under liberty. This is the wordiest. It's not very strong. It's not going to go too far. It's got an exception clause, too. That just seems yeah. wrong somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Wow. Just working, working, working the out before you <laughs> yeah, get to the end. Unbelievable. Yeah, compound exactly. Sentence. Exactly. So a I'm... self-contradictory compound <laughs> sentence for a slogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, And then I got some really good um, city nicknames going. So did you guys know that Cincinnati is sometimes known as Porkopolis? Porkopolis. It is. So... You know, I put all these slogans like next to each other. Yeah. And it was really interesting because the stronger teams actually have the better slogans. So maybe their states are just better at being clear and, you know, so working athletics. This is not here. fair. What? I just put well, this whole thing. She comes <laughs> up with these. It's just not fair. Because it's, it's cuter and more entertaining it, than your system? Just, well, I, well, I've tried to pick the teams. Yeah, of course it is. And it's, but it's just not. But then, then she wins. Right. Listen, That's the I thing. put in a lot of work. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> Well, she did. She was like with Wikipedia forever. So one of the things, I mean. I got the, a problem with that, though. The, that? the Queens, Queens, New York, yeah. sometimes calls itself the most diverse place on earth. Yet the basketball team from Queens, St. John's, plays the fewest number of players of any team in the tournament. So they're the least diverse basketball team. Although one of their players is Sir Dominic Pointer. So maybe that counts as two. Um, that's the quickest turnaround of a very recherche theory that I've ever seen. The idea that you could poke a hole. In yeah. in Julia's theory, with no advance warning. I'm, well, uh, I'm with Mike. <laughs> well, I have to say, you know, I really I took a lot of liberties here. This is so unscientific. So, which is the state motto no, of New Mexico? No by the big way. surprise there. <laughs> <laughs> so for Queens, I went with the nickname "the city that never sleeps," which also did not do well because if you never sleep, you are not rested for the game. So, you know, either way, Queens is losing in my bracket. So I actually agree with you, Mike. So there's a, there's a dark genius to this. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the actual joys of this tournament, if in fact it's sort of an enjoyable tournament, uh, behind uh, sort of masquerading in front of a uh, not quite as exciting sport, is underdogs, right, Mike? This is why we love this thing. It's just backing these little Cinderella teams. So so tell us who we should get excited about this year. Buffalo, coached by Bobby Hurley. Yeah. They play West Virginia in the first round. Uh, I don't know if Bobby Hurley's presence, the former pretty loathed Duke player, makes them a lovable underdog, but they're Buffalo. They're the Buffalo Bulls, right? There's what? something about being a team from Buffalo where you can't think of a good nickname. I don't know. But I think that they could win for sure. I think, I think Bobby Hurley is the only unloathed Duke, news, <laughs> Duke player. 
Well, actually, on, on, on Hang Up and Hang Up and Listen, on his other show, Hang Up and Listen, they, they, you guys almost had sort of a Duke Loathing index that you'd worked out. Uh, yeah, but it was it was it was prorated to how good looking different white guys from Duke are. That seems to be the major thing. Wow. <laughs> the the wow. whiter, the better looking, the more hated you are. And then there's a whole special world for Christian Leitner. Um, yeah. So and the another the other thing about Buffalo plays like Bobby Hurley too. I haven't seen him. Well, they run up and down a lot, right? Yeah, they, they, and they, and then tough and just you know he was such a scrappy little guy. There's some, there's but a lot of times when we oh I was gonna say when we pick these underdogs like Stephen F. Austin they'd be another great underdog. They won games last year. We just sometimes tend to forget the teams they're playing. And West Virginia, who Buffalo's playing, they're actually a good opponent. And the shame of it with Stephen F. Austin, if you told me Stephen F. Austin's a 12 seed, and because we know that every year a 12 seed and sometimes two 12 seeds beat a 5 seed to the point where maybe the 5 seeds are cursed, I'd be all over Stephen F. Austin. But they're playing Utah, and Utah is one of these teams that should be a 2 or th- you know 3 seed, but they're a 5 seed. They're much better than a 5 seed. So I don't know what to tell you and there. And don't, don't they Burn sage and, and sweet grass. Isn't that the team that where the coach burns the sage and the sweet grass and the tobacco and the cedar in the locker room before the game? Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> so you, you got to give them that. I will say one thing about Stephen F. Austin. It's sometimes mentioned as the place that Don Henley went to college, and that's not – well, he went to college there. He didn't graduate. But Will Jennings, who wrote the lyrics to, like, all kinds of really annoying pop songs like Up Where We Belong and My Heart Will Survive, he is a graduate of Stephen F. Austin. I went the Julia route a little bit this year and investigated some of the musical backgrounds good, of good. these of these groups. For example, uh, one of the founders of the Turtles teaches at Belmont. You'd think that Dion would teach at uh, at Belmont, but uh, one of the founders of the Turtles, but two members of the Circle who did Red Rubber Ball and Turn Down Day went to Lafayette. You know uh, who wrote Red Rubber Ball? Uh, well, Paul Simon, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so, uh, so give us, but give us from, another from under Queens, by the way. Right, go ahead. Yeah. That's right. Give us, an, <laughs> give us another underdog, Mike Pesco. Well, Hoagie Carmichael wrote Georgia on my mind, but I don't think Georgia will win. I don't know if that helps. Uh, another underdog could be Valparaiso, Valparaiso playing a Michigan, a Maryland team who, as a four seed, is pretty good. But Valpo has this guy named Alec Peters who uh, is a large guy who likes to beat up on people. Now, if you want a, a seed, an upset that's not really an upset, mm-hmm. Ohio State should beat Virginia Commonwealth. Ohio State is a 10 seed. And Davidson also should beat Iowa. They're 10 seeds. I guess it's not that big of an upset to talk about, you know, 10 seeds beating uh, seven seeds. I do think that Duke has a chance to lose to San Diego State in the second round. Do I think that or do I want that to happen? Mm -hmm. I'll say a little of both. I have a Valparaiso fun fact. In 1923, the Ku Klux Klan assembled a bid to purchase the university. They pledged to offer the university's appraised value of $175,000, expand it to the, uh, the size of Purdue University, and devote the institution to the instilling of Americanism. However, in 1925, the Lutheran University Association outbid the Klan for the school's ownership. <laughs> so they'd be playing, you know, in the hoods and, you know, it would just, it's not an easy way to go up and down the court. Um, they'd be the least, yeah, and they'd always and they'd always insist on the home white, right? That's right. They'd be the least diverse team. All right. So, um, Mike Pesca, I don't know how much you or any of our other panelists follow the excitement uh, of Division Three basketball, but uh, oh. some some people who do know that the the Final Four starts Friday night. Uh, a lot of us watching the Babson Beavers uh, Augustana game. Uh, so here uh, to help us understand that, uh, he's only got a few minutes here before he has to go to a meeting. Mitch Oliver, the head coach of the Albertus Magnus College men's basketball team. Which, first of all, don't you have some kind of incredible home winning streak, Mitch? 
Yeah, we right now we currently hold the nation's longest home winning streak at 57 straight games in, in all divisions, Division One, Two, II, and Three, um, and it's been over a span of just about four years. And and so this year, unfortunately, as you got into the the field of 64, not all of the games were at home. So, right. Yeah, it's you know it's something that you put a bit in for, and the way Division Three does it is they it's kind of like the women's um, NCAA's is they you have pods, fourteen pods, and and uh, we weren't fortunate enough to get a home game. Obviously, it would have been great because we you know obviously we haven't lost in so long, it's such an advantage there. Uh, but you know we had a good run this year, and we're very proud of it. Um, and so uh, heading into the final four now are some teams that you probably know. It is, in fact, a Babson versus Augustana, and I think it's uh, uh, Wisconsin uh, Stevens Point versus uh, I'm blocking whatever, what, what the other whatever the other one is. Oh, it's uh, Virginia Wesleyan, I think. Right, so, Virginia Wesleyan. Yes. So who do you like in this? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be pulling for Babson. Uh, you know, a Northeast uh, Region team, obviously, but. You know, it, it's a, at, at this level, the beauty of this level, it's a complete toss-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you talk about with uh, the men's Division One tournament, a 16 seed is never beating a, a one seed. Well, at Division Three, it happens quite often where um, if you had to rank them with to one through 64, you know, the, the team, the 64 team, could, could very well beat the number one team. It's, there's a lot of parity at this level, which makes it such a fun tournament, and that's why I think home court advantage is so big. Um, and, and three of those four teams have had home court advantage straight through to the Final Four. So, so Mike Pesca, I almost feel like maybe we're missing something here. You know, I mean, we all saw John Oliver's takedown of the cynicism and the money and some of the exploitation of Division One uh, NCAA basketball. Maybe I, I feel like there's sort of a uh, field of dreams kind of innocence here in Division Three. Yeah, right. I, I mean, went to a Division it, Three it, school. Absolutely, it's it's the student first. You know, there's no recruiting battles. Of, you know, of illegal things going on, or or um, you know, overexposed kids because of AAU and any of that kind of stuff. So you get more of the pure student athlete at this level, and there's also more of a of a connect with the student body. Whereas if you go to you know a UConn or Ohio State game, you know those kids are rooting for these for these players. But at schools at our level, Division Three, they're not they're, they're rooting for their friends. Like they're they're in their class. It's almost like an extension of high school. You know, much you know bigger schools, obviously. But I think that adds to it. It's more of a community and more of a family atmosphere at most of these schools. And Mike Pesca, you were saying you went to a Division Three school. I went to Emory University, and when they come up to play NYU, not only do I go, I take my kids who are six and seven. They don't know the difference. It's a great yeah. atmosphere. That's <laughs> a great point. I mean, we have a lot of kids from like my camp. We come here, and, you know, and we, my team is. We're I'm fortunate enough to coach a lot of guys that are very athletic. So we average about eight or nine dunks a game. So if you came to my games this year, when kids came to my games. They saw dunks all over the place. They saw more dunks than if they went to a UConn game. And let's face it, the kids love that stuff. So. They, you're right. They, they don't even know the difference. Uh, they, they, the, 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 the the great atmospheric piece. Uh, I used to I used to go to some ACC games years ago, and they were all completely like that then, where the vast majority of people in the building were students, and so you were in the student crowd, student atmosphere. And you go to the Civic Center, where you know the, all the best tickets have been sold to corporations or to very wealthy uh, alumni uh, donors, and if the team's not doing well, they don't show up, and right. if the game's boring, they they're absolutely silent. And to be back in a gym, even with a smaller crowd, a little gym, but where everybody's really into it, it makes all the difference in the world. Now this, I, I, I agree. This, I agree. This, this year, I'm going to go to Julia for an analysis here. This year in the field of 64 yeah. for Mitch, there was not only Albertus Magnus, 
there was Wesleyan, there was Trinity, and there was Eastern right. Connecticut. So using your system, Julia, our state motto is he who transplanted us sustains us. Uh, so, how, how does that work for you? I mean, how should they have done? Well, I guess whatever team has the most out-of-state students is going to win them. Oh, because our motto is so crappy? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, because Oh, because they've been transplanted, transplanted here. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sort of so, you know, that. it's taken out the <laughs> God-creator element a little bit, but it is sort of acknowledging that we need to outsource some really good athletes. But as also, as every single basketball player ever interviewed post-game it says, you know, that God is, was on was rooting for him that day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that we can, you know, that, that that motto really fits in pretty well for sports. That you've got a you've got a sense that the Almighty's behind your team. He's yeah. in the huddle. He's in the pregame uh, uh, prayer, and he's uh, right there from beginning to end. So, so uh, Coach Oliver has to go. And we did pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Oliver has to go, but uh, just very quickly, uh, how does the team look for next year? A uh, win fifty eight is that within your reach? Uh, consecutive home court win fifty eight. Yeah, you know, yeah, without without a doubt. I mean, we're you know we like to use the term um, reload instead of kind of rebuild. I will graduate uh, quite a few starters and, and some great players over the years, but over the last four or five years, we've been able to kind of reload each year. So I think we'll be all right. We you know we got some um, some good recruits coming in. My younger kids um, are very good, so I think we'll we'll be in a situation to to make another run. All right, I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, trying to preserve that streak. It's become a lot of fun. I'm coming down. Coach, good luck, I just, coach. coach. I mean, I, I know I know. I don't want to second-guess you, but could you get Danilius Dragutis some more playing time? We love Dragutis, his handle, his leadership. I'm sorry to get on you at this point. I know you've got your roster constructed, but are we going to see Dragutis get the get the court a little more? Uh, who's that? Excuse me? Who's that? Who? <laughs> oh, I thought there was a guy on your team there. Danilius oh. Dragutis. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to find a really good also, name. Also, by the way, it's Calipari. It's a, I love that reload and not rebuild. Yeah. It sounds like Kentucky. <laughs> it sounds, like yeah, it sounds yeah. a lot it's like. Only, it's the only way to do it. It's that's right. A little of Kentucky right, right here in New Haven. All right, Coach Oliver, Hand thanks it. so much for joining us. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with more of Mike, Bill, and Julia, plus our annual visit with Wofford. I love the guard. I love Multiple chips. They go against Duke. Since FC Kanye, 2 o'clock, they play. They play against the winner, Rick Ross, Miami U. Snoop Dogg, USC. They tee off at four. With Khalifa, Ben Panthers, they showing a pool. Yeah. MOP is Georgetown. Arizona, Ron Browns, Momo Jones. So uh, we're back. Uh, this is our match, March Madness show. Bill Curry is here with us, uh, and his uh, nemesis, Julia Pastel, is too. Mm-hmm. Mike Pesca, host of the Slate Daily Podcast, The Gist with Mike Pesca, is also with us. Can you give us a preview? Do you know what's on The Gist with Mike Pesca today? Yeah, today I'll be uh, doing a taste test of a beverage that says it's infused with oxidants, but doesn't say what the heck the beverage is. I just kind of caught this on the label. And then I think I'll be uh, talking. I think I'll be talking about skiing and maybe a mountain in Bolivia that kills a lot of people. And finally, the historian's dilemma, not getting Hillary Clinton's records. You know what? Historians have it pretty easy. Imagine the historians of Cleopatra listening to the whining of the non-Hillary Clinton email historians. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, first of all, this hieroglyphic record is very difficult to obtain. Exactly. Um, all right. So, um, well, all of that on the most eclectic podcast and the most amazing feat by a daily podcaster uh, in podcasting today. So uh, in just a second, we're going to be paying our annual visit to Wofford College. We'll be talking to the president and to Ben Ingram, winner of the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions last year and a former student at Wofford. Um, but so before we do that, though, you know, Mike Pesca, one thing that's happened uh, over the last I don't know how many years, you probably have a better grasp than I, is that the sort of Nate Silver crowd has really kind of gotten a hold of. 
uh, of bracketology and they're doing regressive data analyses or whatever they are. And and there's like a lot of math. And now there's the upshot in The New York Times is a bracket where you actually do get rewarded if you pick an underdog and the underdog wins. And does this enrich our enjoyment of the game or is it getting a little bit too big data? No, I love it. Especially, it all depends on who you play with. So if you play in a tournament bracket pool with everyone who already works at 538, then yeah, it's a little oppressive. How do you get the edge? (laughs) But I like winning my tournament bracket, and I like the whole myth that, oh, it's always done by someone who does it by city slogan, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who likes thinks that a cat would beat a dolphin, and someone who looks at the state motto. But that's not true. It's usually won by someone who knows a little bit about basketball and knows a simple a few simple truths like everyone picks the favorite so you should pick a couple underdogs but don't go crazy i call it the gonzig while everyone else gonzags model but that's hard (laughs) this year because kentucky's gonna win and i'd advise you not to pick kentucky but then who the hell else you gonna pick no one else even has a 10 12 maybe arizona has i think a 14 percent chance you're gonna pick Arizona? That's that's crazy. Wait, you're talking way too fast. Yeah. A cat would beat a dolphin. I'm still writing that down. Um, <laughs> so, um, well, you know, let's let's go you, over. Yes, what? Well, I just I two things. One, I you, you could also go by my uh, pick the Jesuit schools in the early rounds. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. there there are a few patterns, uh, and you know you don't have to be quite as you know you don't have to be like Julia. Okay, uh, uh, although. You notice how many, for instance, politicians. You know, they they release their they put their brackets out, mm-hmm. and they have and they have a, a, a rationale which is similarly unconnected. Which is when they're running for president, they simply pick all the swing states. Uh, Jeb Bush this year picked all three Iowa states. He's, he's got like an all <laughs> Iowa Final Four, uh, and uh, and I was thinking, I, I'm driving over here that you have to give Hillary Clinton some credit this year because it's the first thing she's time she hasn't hit the, a wrong note. She didn't release a bracket. And, of course, if she had, no one would have believed that she knew anything about it. Anyway, I think there ought to be a rule that politicians should not be allowed. Any politician who has not seen a basketball game this year should not be allowed to release a bracket. She didn't email her bracket. She didn't email her bracket. But to the best of our knowledge, we don't know. She may have sent one out privately. That is true. So, Julia Pistel, we're about to go uh, into our uh, annual coverage of Wofford. And um, so I'd like to know, using your uh, regressive um, state slogan and city slogan (laughs) analysis, um, how, how did Wofford do? How does Wofford look? Can you find them anywhere in well, your Well, let's see. Where are well, they? While, she's lo- while you're looking for them and thinking about what it is you're going to say, Mike Pesca, you know, we started this, uh, I don't know how, like five, six years ago, we started doing this show. And that year, Wofford, I think, was playing the University of Connecticut, and they were like a 16 seed or something, and it was ha, ha, ha. And we had the president of Wofford on, and he was a great guy, and we, we sort of started this tradition. But Wofford isn't like this cute little thing anymore, right? They're a 12 seed, and th- for some people, they're kind of a, a, a boutique pick, right? Well, I think right now Wofford is in the category of the Cognoscenti, the Nate Silvers, are a little mad that Wofford is overseeded as a 12th seed. People think they only deserve to be a 14th seed. And when they were a 14th seed, weren't they cute little terriers? Now they've gotten a little too big for their britches. Yeah, <laughs> there's the big snarling uh, Welsh terriers now well, or something. Well, Colin, right, go ahead. I'm ready with some information here. Okay. okay, first of all, South Carolina is, they've got two state mottos. They're really chewing up a lot of room here. One is, while I breathe, I hope. That one's a little weak for wow. me. Yeah. <laughs> but the next one is, ready in soul and resource. Resource. So that one's pretty good. And the state marketing campaign is, smiling faces, beautiful places, which is very cutesy. Mm-hmm. 
So, so how far did you take them on the strength of that? I'm, I'm sorry to say I did not take them very far because Arkansas's state motto is the people rule, which I thought was much – it was, seems modern, seems like a chant you could do now. Um, so I had them going out right away. Oh, man. All right. And well, this is why you should just go with your own blind prejudices. <laughs> yeah. This is why you know, nobody, nobody, you know, Dick Vitale doesn't know enough about this field to know whether Northern Iowa is really that good. Okay. You just, you know, who do you hate? Who do you love? Check off those boxes. And uh, if by any chance you're right, you'll feel really good about it. Ken, yeah, Ken Dick Vitale knows. does not know which part of Iowa Northern Iowa <laughs> yeah. is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Ken, Ken, Ken Palm knows. Ken Palm knows everything. All right. So joining us now is, in fact, the president of Wofford College. Uh, he is Naif Samhat. Uh, also joining us is Ben Ingram, uh, a champion uh, in the uh, Jeopardy Tournament of Champions, the champion in the Je- Jeopardy Tournament of Champions last year. Uh, and uh, you're, Ben, you're a graduate of Wofford now, right? Yes, I am. Graduated in 05. Mighty proud of it. All right. So, uh, first of all, welcome, uh, first of all, to the president of Wofford. Uh, we've had uh, the, your predecessor on, but I think this is our first uh, chance to have the, the privilege of having you on. And so, uh, having heard uh, Mike Pesco recklessly say that some of the digital cognoscenti think that Wofford might be a little bit overseeded at 12, how, do, how does, that, uh, does that, does that rankle your terrier fur? Does it make your terrier fur stand up on end? It most certainly does. It's, it's great to be here on the show, and so I think uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, we think that uh, uh, 12 is where we should be. Maybe I'll, go, I'll be so bold as to say 10. We're, we're very proud of our Terriers, and our, and our young guys are, are ready and excited uh, for the game tomorrow night. Uh, ben Ben Ingram, uh, first of all, you managed to sow a little bit of confusion on Twitter the other day. I follow you, and suddenly you were saying that it was pronounced Woford or something, or, or is that something that, that sportscasters are mistakenly doing? It's actually pronounced Wofford, W-O-F-F-O-R-D. I've heard Wafford, I've heard Wofford, I've heard Woford, but it's Wofford, I assure you. All right. Uh, we, wanted, we wanted to make sure that that was straight. And, and so, um, and Ben Ingram, in terms of your memories of, of Wofford, I'm, you didn't go there when it was a basketball power. Uh, at least not to the extent that it is now. So what, were, what was your great memory of Wofford? What was your favorite thing about going there? Well, it had always been a basketball school. As a matter of fact, I took several courses. I remember uh, the, uh, a course about war films with a bunch of basketball players. But <laughs> I think the, uh, really one of, the, one of the best achievements that we had was the first time that we made the football playoff. We are a football championship subdivision school. And we actually got to host that game against NCANT, and I very rarely wear a coat, but it was on a November evening in Spartanburg. So I bought a $35 pea coat, and I still have it. Um, President uh, Samhat, is that War Films class still happening, or did you shut that down? Uh, we uh, we shut it down. <laughs> well, we transition the curriculum every once in a while. and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. All right. And so, um, Mike Pesca, did you have any questions that you uh, – we have the president of Wofford here. These could give you an inside track uh, as, you, uh, as you head into to the, the real heat of bracketology. Do you have any questions or observations for him? I, I do. In fact, it's kind of a serious one. I once spent a week at a Presbyterian college, you know, the Blue Hose down there in South Carolina also. And they're the smallest school that plays Division One football, the same division you're in. And they cited their rivalry. They say they compete with so many students from Wofford that they can't not have a football team. Do you perceive yourself, not maybe not in basketball, but do you perceive your school as in sort of a small South Carolina version of an arms race where football especially for a small school like yours and a large percentage of the student body is football players is is a necessary thing well um actually uh, 
uh, as a small school, we do have a, a nice size number of football players, but overall our student athletes make up about uh, 20%, 22% of the student body. So um, we have a lot of non-athletes uh, students on campus, but you know we're, we're, we have a long football tradition and um, committed to that tradition, and we have a great, uh, great coach and inspirational coach in Mike Ayer. So, um, I, you know, to say there's an arms race, so we just play hard and well-fought games in the Southern Conference against rivals in the state and out of state. We should say this is your fourth trip to the dance in six years. This is your highest seed ever. I mean, is is it getting so there's a, sort of an expectation now on campus? Uh, I mean, the Terriers came out of the blue five or six years ago. Uh, is it now kind of expected that you guys are going to make it? Or, I don't know, this year Carl Cochran will be his last year. Are, are you going to have to reload, as they say, at Albertus Magnus? Well, <laughs> well, I can tell you, this is my second year, and it's my second trip to the dance. So uh, I have high expectations. You know, it's become routine for me. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think teams uh, and good coaches and good recruiting to sustain a program over the long haul, and we certainly do have high expectations. Uh, we're losing some very good players and some leaders, but we have others stepping up uh, to the plate and are ready to take charge of the team next year. Uh, ben Ingram, uh, I want you to set aside sentiment, uh, and I want you to use the mind that made you an eight-time Jeopardy! champion and the 2014 Jeopardy! Tournament of Champions winner. I want you to uh, tell me, how does the Final Four unfold in this tournament? I mean, do you, do you in fact, know uh, who is going to win? <laughs> well, I'll tell you the truth. You, you can talk about field goal percentage. You can talk about points in the paint and all that. But one thing that I really look at is character. And I've had the chance to interact with a lot of these uh, young men who play at Wofford, and they really do have the character to go deep and possibly go all the way. But I'll put it this way. Six of my picks out of the 63 on my bracket were pretty easy. I got Wofford going all the way. You got Wofford going all the way. All right. Uh, I, I guess you didn't really put sentiment aside. All right. Well, gentlemen of Wofford, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to grab a quick break. We've got John Gallagher, the coach of University of Hartford, who's now becoming a regular feature on this show. He's out of the country, but he's calling in to give us an inside slant, maybe, on, on one or two of his, his insights. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan, current holder of the Trumbull High School record for technical fouls, and me, Kyone Wolf. Lydia Brown, who has a keychain from the Basketball Hall of Fame, handled our phones today. Greg Hill, brother of Grant, appeared in our intro and tweets for us at WNPR Colin. The part of Bill Curry was played by Hawthorne Wingo. For show pages, articles, and videos with the Faith Middleton Show staff trying to make Gonzaga dressing, visit our website, WNPR.org. On tomorrow's show and the struggle with ISIS, how do you defeat an idea? And now... Back to Colin. All right. Welcome to our March Madness show. We're in our third and final segment of that. In just a second, we're going to be talking to John Gallagher, the head coach uh, of the University of Hartford Hawks. He's been roaming the globe. He's been in Croatia looking for that eight-foot-tall uh, center that nobody else knows about. And then he went to India to see whether, in fact, cricket players could be converted into basketball players just the way that you can do it with baseball players. Uh, and now he's in Australia. We're going to talk to him in just a second. But uh, Julia Pastel, who uh, uses uh, state mottos, city mottos, and other kinds of tourism slogans, uh, to handicap this year's bracket, give us uh, give us one pick, give us one insight. Tell us something that you know is going to happen that nobody else knows. Okay, okay. Well, um, 
All right, Virginia is just going to slaughter Belmont. I'm so sorry to say. I mean, you might see that in the seating already, but the real reason is that uh, poor old Tennessee's state motto is agriculture and commerce, which is super lame, whereas Virginia has the coolest state motto ever, which is six semper tyrannis, which means thus always to tyrants. And that's also what John Wilkes Booth shouted when he assassinated Abe Lincoln. So that is just one of the most. But this is a, that's like a bad wow. thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, I think that should be held but against that's them. strong. <laughs> I mean, strong. how can agriculture really even hold a candle to that? Well, so. don't, don't never forget that on the law faculty of Belmont College is Alberto Gonzalez. So don't be surprised if uh, suddenly the opposition teams are held without charges uh, right before the game. Uh, all right, let's go to Australia right now. Not We're not actually going to go to Australia. Metaphorically speaking, let's go to Australia. John Gallagher, uh, head coach at the University of Hartford, is joining us now. Go Hawks uh, next year. Uh, but uh, John Gallagher, uh, last year I think you were sitting in your office watching the games. Uh, are you going to be able to watch the games down in, in Australia? I will not be able to watch the games. I'll be uh, – I'll be uh, – we have three Aussies on our team. One's graduating, and uh, we're trying to get uh, some more Aussies to wear the Hartford uh, red and white, and that's why we're here. Well, give us give us at least one sweetheart pick. As you're beholding the, the, the field of 54, and there's some teams here I think that you've probably played against, so uh, give us your sweetheart pick or two. Give us an insight uh, straight from uh, the head coach of the Hartford Hawks. You know, it's funny. I... I I haven't studied. Usually, I look at it pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really looked at it as hard because I'm, um, you know, I was in air when the, the selection happened. But I will say this: if you look at, uh, I think Virginia will go far. I think their hardest matchup is uh, going to be Belmont because uh, offensively, you know, Tony Bennett's the head coach, and he doesn't play. He plays the same defensive strategy. Doesn't matter who he's playing. And when you have skilled big guys like Belmont has, that game that game could be closer than you think. It, they, you know they played Davidson that uh, plays that way. Even when Steve Dunne was at Boston College, BC always played Virginia tough. Uh, but I do think Virginia, it, once they get through the first game, they're going to win that game by ten or eleven, and then they'll get through it. And I think they're going to get deep. And I think Villanova is just the most experienced, underrated. They're the most untalked number one seed I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People don't talk about them. And uh, I know it's the Kentucky hype, but I really like Villanova. And then I think Notre Dame, um, they're the team. I don't think Kentucky will get to the Final Four. I think Notre Dame's going to uh, get to the Final Four. I think this time of year, when you have the ability to play four guards, um, you know, Utah can do that. Um, uh, the other team, uh, Notre Dame can do that. Villanova does it. When you can spread people out, it really causes problems. Um, last question. And you know what? I, yeah, I like Wofford. You like Wofford? I like Wofford. Yeah. We all like Wofford. By so, the way, was that their AD? Was that their AD no, that was the president. That, expected, that no, was the president? The president of the college and then also one of their most famous graduates. Uh, the, for their most I'll, famous I'll graduate. I'll tell you because as a coach, Mike Young's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, and... I love Mike Young. One of the great – they should do whatever they can to sign him to a 10-year contract because he's probably going to be in this offseason of college basketball. Like when, when there's a high major job open, Mike Young will be 
I think, one or two on everybody's list. Yeah, I've, I've actually read that in other places. Hey, one last quick question. I know you're um, in some very different time of day there, and you're also upside down. Uh, so um, yeah. um, what was you, what's your strategy for beating Kentucky? You, you must have, like, a sealed folder there in the office at the University of Hartford, how I'm going to take Kentucky apart if it ever comes to that. Uh, you're not going to need it this year. Tell us what you would do. You got to shoot uh, probably 35 to 40 threes because uh, you can't squirt the rim on them. Um, you have to make probably between 16 to 20 threes to beat them. Um, and if you don't, if you decide you want to take it to the rim, uh, it leads to easy transition against them. Even the games where they won close, uh, the the at the end of games, you know, games that stand out to me, LSU game was close. Um, and they obviously have the athletes that can play with them, but you, you can't take it. The toughest thing about them is you can't finish at, you make a great move to the rim and it's still, you, you don't get any, you don't get any points off it because their length behind the defense is just too tough. So like why I like a Villanova or Notre Dame versus them, they're not going to try to take it to the rim on them. They're just going to set, they're going to shoot 35 to 40 threes in the game. And if they shoot 35%, 40%, they're going to win that game. Coach Gallagher, it's time to say good eye. Uh, but thanks so much for joining us uh, from Australia. Hey, we just we have a finite amount of time left. And, uh, you know, Bill Curry usually does like to talk a little bit about uh, women's basketball because he's that kind of guy. Uh, Mike Pesca, I know, I think I saw uh, a tweet, or I don't know how I know this, that you were out, maybe it was on Hang Up and Listen, that, you know, we talk about Kentucky being an undefeated team. Uh, in the women's bracket, there's an undefeated team that somehow or other is seeded eighth. Uh, explain that to me, if you will. Yeah, it's Princeton, and they don't have a great strength of schedule, but they are undefeated. And if you'd want to just – there is no rubric or metric by which you would say that they're not one of the 30 or 28 best teams, which would just argue for a seven seed or above. And if you wanted to be smart as the women's conference, give them a higher seed. You're kind of – I don't know what you're doing. You're denigrating one of the great achieving teams and one of the best stories of your sport this whole season. That said, everything we've said about Connecticut can be said about uh, – everything we said about Kentucky can be said about Connecticut times three. They are, I think, so indestructible this year. Which, uh, you know, sort of is a problem when, when they loom over the field. So I'll it just makes it, 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 it makes it hard. By the way, I really like the, uh, I, the, what was said about uh, Notre Dame. And, and uh, they, it is in the DNA of that school to, to, to confound people and to win these upsets against uh, big teams. And the DNA part of it is just an incredible poise. Uh, there's some confidence that comes uh, with those guys. And I'd love to see him take out uh, Kentucky. I think it really might happen. And the women, you know, this is the greatest uh, dynasty in the history of collegiate sports is in Connecticut, the women's team. It's the, it, this is the, the greatest dynasty in the history of collegiate sports. You're not, but, talking, you're not talking about Albertus Magnus at home becomes, now. Talking, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the okay. Albertus Magnus streak, sure, tangentially. Uh, but the, uh, the, the women. And this, thing, and this thing happens, though, that it becomes this sort of everyday thing. When you think about what this state was like 20 years ago, I believe it was 1995 when Rebecca Lobo – uh, Lobo's team won that first uh, championship, and Connecticut just exploded about it. I mean, we just went nuts, and now uh, they're they're on the road. They have another spectacular team on the road to another amazing victory. And I don't want to say it's become ho hum, but we've just become so inert to it. You're yawning now. 
But that's only because mm-hmm. I'm talking. Okay. So for, well, it's you, it's, for you, it's the worst of it's, both it's worlds. It's the perfect story. I'm talking, and I'm talking about the Yukon women. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're running out of time here. And, Julia, I, I feel as though a lot of people are sitting out there thinking, well, so we've got some little clues here. But Julia Pistel has not really revealed her final four. Uh, you know, everybody's got a final four. The president's got a final four. But you're, you're the only handicapper in America who's used state mottos uh, and uh, slogans and tourism stuff in, in order to handicap this field. So tell us your final four. Okay. Um, two of them have already been mentioned, Kentucky and Virginia. Um, but then we've got Wisconsin, whose state motto is only the word forward, which I feel couldn't be more appropriate. It's just the word forward. Yeah. So their, forward. Their, motto, the word forward. their motto isn't only the word forward. No, yeah. it's just <laughs> forward. <laughs> um, but my favorite state motto, and there's actually three teams from this state, um, but I gave it to Duke, um, is North Carolina, which is to be rather than to seem. So whoever else seems like the champion, forget it. One of the North Carolina teams is going yeah, to be the champion. we're not giving it to them, okay? Yeah. So you just put that right out of your mind. Well, so, I'm sorry. What I have here is hard science. You know so. what I finally figured out? That actually everybody does their bracket like Julia does. I mean, that's really what the whole <laughs> world's doing, you know? Everybody's got some little list of little things. They're just checking them out. This really is. She is the spokesperson for bracketologists all across America. Because here's the thing, and, you know, how can anyone know all the details of all these teams? This stupid thing that I do every year takes me forever. I mean, you'd have to just live in this world every year to have any kind of real sense of what's going to happen. So right. I guess anyway. So, Mike Pesca, you get the last word. Uh, you can use it any way you want as long as it's about 60 seconds long. Uh, go ahead. I'm going to uh, pick the state whose motto is Lanky Swingman as opposed to forward. <laughs> My final four. My final four is three Wildcats and a Ute, and I think the coach of Hartford was wrong, 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 because Virginia, unlike, uh, and sort of like James Wilkes Booth, who broke his leg while jumping on the stage, is beset by an injury to their player, Justin Anderson. Not just the finger, but the appendix. I think they're going to go out early. All right. Is that a good final word, or is that too specific? Well, that was good. But the glory of sport will be visited upon thee. There's sick a final temper word. Tyrannus. <laughs> yes, totally. Sick temper, sick temper. Now, if they played the Washington and Jefferson, they'd win because the, that nickname is the President's. They could knock off the President's. So the the motto easy. is your, tyrann- your Tyrannosaurus has distemper? That's not a good motto. All right, we have to go. Thanks very much. Mike Pesca, catch the gist with Mike Pesca. Don't catch the gist without Mike Pesca. Next semester, I'm signing up for Screwing in Light Bulbs 101? I'm here to play basketball and get a degree in astrophysics. Is this some sort of joke? Well, yes. Do you know how many basketball players it takes to screw in a light bulb? No. One, because you're all very tall, so it's convenient. You'll learn that in class. Ugh.